Good morning. Good to see each and every one of you here this morning. As you are finding your seats, I'm going to dismiss our our kids. They are going to get head off to kids church. We have an incredible service planned for them. And middle schoolers, middle schoolers, you're going to go downstairs as well. Uh, we have a wonderful service for the rest of us here. Would you take a moment and just say hello to the person you're sitting right next to? If I can have your attention back, we will get started here. We're going to change uh, uh, tracks a little bit. We're going to just jump right into the Word this morning. Uh, we are back in our series we titled Church in the Mirror. And in this series, we've been kind of taking a look at ourselves, kind of taking a look at the mirror that is God's Word, and considering what do we see? What is the gap between what we know we're supposed to be and what we see in the mirror. Because if you woke up this morning and you looked at that mirror, you probably didn't look exactly how you wanted to look, right? But the mirror, by looking at that mirror, you had the opportunity to fix some things. To put on your glory in a way, comb your hair, problem that I often have. You know, the things that you need to do, you did. And now you're here, beautiful people at Mount Hope. Having looked at a mirror and now you're here. When you look at a mirror, there's a gap that's often created, a gap that reminds us that there is this gap between what, we, what ought to be and what the reality is. And that's what we've been talking about here at Mount Hope over these last few weeks. About two years ago, we enrolled our son. He's four years now. When he was two, Judah, we enrolled him in basketball. Now, don't think high-level athletes. Don't think any of that. Think a bunch of two-year-olds, one's bouncing a ball, one's throwing a tantrum, one's running off to the corner, finding any toy that he can grab. It was just utter chaos. But in the Billerica Rec Center, this coach brought all these kids together, and he said, all right, here's what we're going to do. And I'm thinking, all right, he's going to get the ball, we're going to practice some shots. No, he said, everyone, stand up, stretch your arms. Now let's touch your toes. Now get back up, stretch out wide. And he did this for a little while. Here's what he was doing. He was helping these children start with the basics. Start with the stretching. Now here's the reality. Judah did those stretches when he was two. Now that he's four, he doesn't have to do them anymore, right? No. He still does, and if he, if he did play basketball, he would still have to do that. Um, but as he goes on, maybe he is in high school, and he is much more proficient, and he is a better player. He still has to do those stretches. As a matter of fact, you go down to the arena, and you watch the Celtics play. But before the game, what do they do? They have a moment where they're on the court, or they're with their trainers, and what are they doing? They're stretching. Because here's the thing. There are foundations of our practice that, if ignored, can be detrimental to us. If ignored, it causes a sprain. If ignored, it can bring injury. If ignored, it can cause the whole house to fall upon itself. A foundation is important. 
Now, a foundation is as necessary whether you are brand new at the sport or you've been playing it all your life. And as Christ followers, as we come together in this room, here's the reality. There are some of us who maybe we're not there yet. We're still checking it out, trying to figure out, is this Christ thing, is this Christianity thing even a thing for me? Some of us, some of us we've been at it our whole lives. But the foundations to our practice, whether we are a day old or 30 years old, is important. And some of the foundations we've been talking about are the practices that we talk about every January. We talk about how our relationship with the Word ought to be, how our relationship in, with God in prayer ought to be, what our relationship in giving and generosity ought to be. And this morning, we're going to talk about our call to serve and our call to get out of ourselves, look past ourselves, and step out into what God has called us to do. In other words, be the arms and feet of Jesus to our communities. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. But here's, here's the backdrop of why we chose this passage. And here's the word. James chapter, James chapter 1, verses 22 through 24, here's what it says. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if Anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and walks away and at once forgets what he was like. And so when we're confronted with the word, when we see the word in front of us, it shows us exa exactly how we ought to be. It gives us a blueprint of the life we ought to live. It shows us the person we ought to become like. We're, called, we're all Christ followers, as in we're following Christ, as in that's who we want to become like. But the reality of the mirror is your appearance so often doesn't match what you want to look like. And that's where the Christian journey comes in. We step in and we say, all right, now how do we fix? How do we remove that smudge? Or how do we straighten the collar? Or how do we do these little things so that in our walk every day, we are a little bit more like Christ today than we were yesterday? And that is our challenge this morning. So for the last few weeks, we've been talking about some of our foundational values here at Mount Hope. And so here's the value when it comes to God's word. God's word is true. So we don't change the Bible to fit our lives. We change our lives to fit the Bible. Right? That's our approach. We know what the absolute standard is, and so we're going to change our lives to meet the standard and not change the standard itself. Prayer is powerful, so we make it our first priority and not our last resort. That we go directly to God, whether it's the small things or the big things. And that we don't choose it as after we've tried everything else. But instead, we're right there in it all, on our knees in front of Jesus. When it comes to God's generosity, God is generous to us. So we live beneath our means so that in order to give beyond our limits. We're all called to live generous lives. So we've experienced God's generosity towards us, and we're in turn called to live as a conduit, right? It comes to us, and it flows right through us. We're not called to hold it back. 
We're not called to be a container, but instead a conduit of God's generosity. And so with that requires being intentional with our finances, with the resources, so that we're not overspending, so that we have margin, so that we're able to be generous as God calls us to. And today, the final thing that we want to talk about when it comes to our foundational values is this, when it calls our call to serve. Jesus calls us to serve, so we're not passive spiritual consumers, but instead we're active servants. That we're not just sitting back and enjoying what everything that's here. We're not just sitting back and receiving. We're not just sitting back and taking and taking and taking. But instead, we're stepping out into the call. We're being obedient to serving and meeting the needs of each other. Now, here's what I don't want this message, the only thing that you take away from this message to be. On a Sunday morning or throughout the week here at Mount Hope, there are a lot of things to be done. There are a lot of ways you can serve. And there's kids ministry, and Kathy's nodding, and she, yeah. she's saying, don't say that. Get people in. No, no, no. We need ushers. We need greeters. We need uh, musicians. We need kids workers. We need so many different people to step in and be the church in that way. But this message is not about that. I would love to see every one of these positions filled so that all of us were working in harmony, we're working and we're serving in the giftings that God has given us. But that's not all we're called to do. We're called to be the church here and we're called to be the church out there. Now our call this morning that I want to talk about is the call to meet the needs around our communities, to meet the needs with each other beyond just the serving, beyond just the greeting each other at the door, because those are good and those are great, but there is a whole lot more that God calls us to, that we are called to do. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we started this and we talked about that gap and that's what we want to talk about. But here's, here's the gospel. The gospel is this, that we are sinners that we're broken, that as a matter of fact, Scripture des describes us as enemies towards God when God sent his son. God looked at the gap, the gap that we talk about of how things ought to be, how he created them to be, how the harmony that he wanted in the world was destroyed by sin, and when nothing could fix it, he said, I will send my son. And he sent his son not just to visit, not just to hang out, but instead to die a horrible death on the cross as a payment for those sins. And because that payment has been paid, you and I now have access back to God. You and I have the ability to connect with God. We have the ability to be in relationship with God. You and I have the ability to imagine eternity now because of what Jesus has done. But here's the thing, that, that gospel is free. All of, us, all of us in this room, all of us in this world have equal access to this gospel. No matter what your background, no matter where you come from, no matter what you were born into, no matter what your legacy, no matter what you've done, you have access to that. It is free. It is given to you at no charge. You don't earn it. But make no mistake. Here's what Dallas Willard says. The gospel is opposed to earning. It is not opposed to effort. Yeah. 
We don't have to earn this gospel, but we have to live it out. We don't have to build and find our way back to God, but when we found our way, when God has found his way to us or he has found us and we're responding to that, there is a response that is required of us. This gospel will work something in us and then through us. And that is the call that I want to talk about this morning. So as you look in the mirror, we're asking, what are we supposed to be doing? What is this gap between how things ought to be and where we are supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing? So last October, you know, we've been going through this series. We've been talking about this assessment that all of us as a church did in, uh, in October of last year. And that assessment was simply this, to take an honest look at ourselves, see where we are. What are the good that we're doing? What are the, what are the things that we could be working on? How can we build ourselves? What are the strong, strong points? What are the weak points? And so, so this week, there are a few questions that I want to touch on real quick. The first question is this. How well does our church demonstrate acts of love, justice, and mercy to people who are in need outside of our church, but within our reach? What that's, let me define that. Outside of our church, as in outside of these four walls, outside of the community, the membership, but within our towns of Burlington and Belmont and the local areas, how do we do? And this is how you answer it. And one thing you'll notice is if you've been paying attention to the graphs or the charts from these last few weeks, we were pretty high in, hey, we're doing great when it came to Bible reading or when it came to knowing the importance of prayer or when it came to our communicating how we ought to give. We were doing well. But in this one, we've kind of started to flatten out a little bit. And here's, here's why. Because sometimes... We know what we ought to do, but we have a hard time doing it. Or we have a hard time knowing exactly how that ought to be lived out. Sometimes we have a hard time figuring out, is it my job or is it your job? Is it my job or is it the church's job? Is it my job or is it the government's job? Right? So, within, so you see a little bit of that. There is a little bit of, I don't know where we stand as a church. Let's go to the next question. How well does our church attend to the needs of the world's most impoverished people? And these are people right here in the U.S. and around the world. Our global outreach partners and people who take the gospel as they go, as they live in these communities and as they do the work. And those are the numbers. And these are how you see the church handling it. It's not an actual number of this is only what we do, but instead this is how you see what we're doing. And a lot of you said, over a quarter of you said, we don't know what you're doing with that. We don't know how you're handling this or as a church how we, we're doing. And so the goal this morning and as we go forward is to make sure that we're communicating. And that, that, is, a, that is a weak point for us and so that we, that we are better at communicating the work that is happening in and through Mount Hope. Overall, how effective are we, uh, are we at living out an outward focus in our church? Outward focus, again, moving past what are the needs within this community? What are the needs of a Sunday morning kids ministry? Or what are the needs of a nursery? To what are the needs of our community? What are the needs in our school system, in our public schools? What are the needs in, with our homeless population? Or what are the needs in our low-cost housing? What, 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 how can we be the church there? And there also, again, there is a little bit of, we don't know. And then this final question, how well does our church provide for those in need within our fellowship of believers, within this body? 
including the unemployed, the widowed, and the single parents. The number that's most interesting to me is the 35% that says, we have no idea. We know that there's a benevolence fund, we hear you talking about it, but what do you do with it? Well, let's, let's talk about that in, in just a moment. Here's where I'd like to start this morning. There are acts of service best done corporately, right? Here's the reality. We need each other. We're called to be a church. We're not called to be individuals in God's kingdom. We're not called to be many, many churches, but instead we're all called to be one body. Scripture talks about it. There is one body. And we're all parts playing different roles. We're, play, we're all members of that body. Excuse me. And so that's where we start. In, in, and so as we come together as a church, we're able to have a stronger impact. There is power in the fact when people come together with one, one vision and one mission and say, hey, there is a need that we can take care of right now. Let's all band together. And you've seen that when people come together. You've seen those images or videos of, of a car rolling over somebody and a group of people come together and they lift that car up. Have you ever seen a, a person lift a car up? No. But when a group of you come together, we're able to lift that up. And there is power in solidarity. There is power in a group. There is power that God can use to mobilize and change the world. But that happens in the context of our community. In the, it happens in the context of being corporate. Right? And when I say corporate, I'm not meaning corporate as in world corporate, but in together as people, as a community. As a matter of fact, when Paul, he's talking to the church in Macedonia, this is what he's talking about. And he's talking about how they responded to the needs within the church. And when you read this, don't just think monetary, all right? So here's what it says. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Here's a, here's a church who recognized that there is a need in the community, who recognized that, hey, there, if we all band together, we can do this. We can help out. How can we be a part of the solution? As a matter of fact, Paul is saying they were begging us to be a part of the relief to the saints. They were begging us. They, their joy and their generosity all came together, and they were able to make an impact is what Paul is saying. So there is a work for all of us to do together. And that work cannot be accomplished by individuals alone. So real quick, what are we doing here at Mount Hope? Well, let's talk a few, few numbers here. Our global outreach ministry, we talk about our global outreach quite often. We talk about it, especially in the month of October, where we celebrate God's work through our global outreach ministry. We talk about it once a, once a month when we invite our partners to come back and share updates. But as of this year, that number, $250,000, on the screen, 
That's because all of you said, you know what, we want to be a part of what God is doing in this nation and around the world. We want to give towards making sure that the gospel gets to every corner of the world. And you chose to live selfishly, uh, selflessly, sorry, selflessly, sacrificially. And you said, you know what, we want to make sure that we can give of our resources so that this gospel can go. And so we're, this year, we're able to commit $250,000 to that effort. So celebrate that. Our compassion ministry dealing with the needs within our local communities, organizations like New Life Home or organizations like Alive in Christ and Amira, these, peop- uh, these organizations and people who, are, who have found the needs within our community and said, hey, we can do that. We can address that. We can bring hope and we can bring relief. We can bring, uh, we can bring goodness and God's grace to a situation that so desperately needs it. And there's over $12,000 in this fund that we're going to send out to all these organizations. And we're still looking to add more. And we're still looking to partner more with people who are already doing that work. And so that's part of our compassion ministry. Well, let's narrow it down. There's a benevolence ministry here at the church, and I'm wondering how many of you know that it's there. Because so often we don't, we don't get to talk about it, but it's there, and here's why it's there. It's there in moments of crisis. Here's the reality. All of us will at some point hit a low point. We'll all have a moment of crisis, and sometimes that crisis may be financial, where maybe you lost a job, or maybe an unexpected sickness, and now you're in a mountain of debt. You can't find your way. Maybe we've dealt with situations where the house, they're being evicted out of their, their rental properties, or their house is being repossessed, or foreclosed on, or their car is being repossessed, and all of these situations where we as the church, we're able to say, you know what? We can do something about that. We can step in, and we can be, we can lend a shoulder. Because here's the reality. Today you may need that help, but you will always not be in that same place. There's going to be a time where God blesses you, God hears your cry, God restores you, and then makes you a blessing so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. There's a season for it all. But here's what I'm asking. We know this only when you reach out. And I've been a part of this benevolence ministry for, for almost 10 years now. And one thing I, I encounter time after time are people who say, that's not for me. Or people who say, I'm too ashamed to reach out. I should be caring for my family. I should be providing. I should be the one who is taking care of it. Instead, I'm looking for a handout. It's not a handout. It's a church saying we are called to take care of each other. We are called to share each other's burdens. And so in this moment of your burden, let us be the church around you. Because there will be a time where you can share and you can give. But for this moment, let us serve you. Let us minister to you. And for the church, here's one thing that you can do. A very practical thing you can do. If you pull out your phones or if you go on your computers today, go to our website. Navigate to the give page. Go past all the give options. And here's what you're going to see. You're going to see a whole section that's dedicated to our benevolence ministry. A section that says, hey, here's a single mom with two children in Burlington who's 
who's needing housing assistance. She's requesting $2,000. Unstable income led to her falling behind on rent. And as these needs come up and as our benevolence team addresses these, we put these requests on the page so that the church can clearly see that there is a need. And that, that's a rolling list. It's constantly being updated. As a matter of fact, as you scroll down, here's also what you're going to see. You're going to see a section that says, these are the needs that have been met. And there's constantly a list that's being populated of all of the ways that, the, that as, as a church have addressed. I mentioned to you that our benevolence fund stands at around 7,000 right now. There was a time not just a year or two ago where it stood at $25,000. That gap are people who were helped, are people whose lives were transformed, are people who were at their wits end and they turned to the church and said, could you help? And the church stood up and said, yes, we will. And so let's celebrate the fact that there is a church who is called to meet the needs and is doing it right now. And as always, we invite you to give. Be a part of that as God calls you to. And this is not a message about giving. That was last week, so go back and listen. But we're called to mobilize. And see, these are big numbers that I just mentioned to you. There may be some of you who could handle that on your own, but not all of us. We need each other to have the impact that we're having. We need to do this together. As a matter of fact, let's keep going. Here, here's what we do together. We have a prison ministry, a prison ministry that been, that's been going to Framingham and to Belreca, and they lead services once a month, and they, they, they come around prisoners and those who need the gospel, those who need hope, and who have none, who've made a variety of choices and they're there in this moment and they all they need is someone to come to them and say someone loves you and that's god jesus loves you and to hear those words our prison ministry led by pastor eddie does that be a part of that or we have a pastor we have a pastoral care team pastor avon pastor thomas uh, these uh, these gentlemen have come in and they've taken on the the work of sometimes as as pastors we realize there's so much to be done that we forget the most important part that is pastoring. And sometimes that kind of falls to the back burners, it, unfortunately. And so we said, you know what? God has positioned us in a way that Pastor Avon could come in and do all of the hospital visits. He can go visit you at your homes. And so as you reach out and as the needs come up, we're able to send our pastors and say, you know what? There's a church that's hurting. There's a church that's sick. There's a church that needs companionship. There's a church who, there, there are people in this church who are members of this church, who are attendees of this church that have not left their homes because of one reason or the other in years. And our pastors are able to go, spend time, sit with them for an afternoon, take them communion, and be a part of their life. And that is a tangible way that we're able to do that. And we invite anyone who has that passion to be a part of that team. We'd love for you to be a part of that team. So if God's called you to serve in that way, be a part of that. Or our meals ministry. I don't, know if how many, how, I don't know how many of you know that we have a meals ministry that let's say something's going on in your family and suddenly you're not able to provide for yourself in that way or maybe you have a loved one in the hospital and that's taking up a good chunk of your time. You let us know. And Beth Piccarello and her team, she has an army of volunteers who says, whatever you need, 
We have about 40 different, uh, is there 48 countries represented? You get cuisines from all over the place. <laughs> so you pick, you let us know what you want and we'll get it to you. But that's the church rising up to the need and saying, hey, there's a need in the, in the community. We're gonna need, we're gonna need it. We're not gonna put it off so that someone else can do it, but we as a collective body can do it. But here's the reality. As much as there is a collective work that we can do, the Bible doesn't talk a whole lot about that. The Bible most often speaks to us about acts of service done individually. All of us individually are called to go out and serve God, to serve the people. James chapter 2, verses 14 to 19, this is what it says. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. We're called to live out our faith. A faith that is free, but not cheap. A grace that is available to all, yet has to be lived out by all. He's saying, each one of us, we're called to see our brother, to see our sister, and to meet the need of that person. Not just offer wishes and, hey, you, everything will be all right, I'll be praying for you. But instead, going beyond that, beyond the encouragement, and be moving into action. Faith without works is dead. Your faith, if you have it, will be evidenced by the way you live it. Faith, if you have it, will be evidenced by the way you work it out. See, following Jesus is not about what we say we believe. It is about what we do because of what we believe. That's how our faith is shown to the world. It's declaring to us that one day when Jesus comes back and we all go to meet him and we stand in front of that throne, he's not going to ask, were you part of a church that served? But instead he's going to ask, what did you do? How did you meet the needs of those around you? He's not going to ask, did your government take care of it? Did your local town pantry take care of it? Did your clothing drives, all of that do it? But instead he's going to look at you and me and say, how were you part of the solution? We're all called to be a part of God's work. For a church to be a place where corporate acts of service are accomplished, it must first be a place where individuals out of relationship with Jesus Christ see and meet the needs of others around them. So how do you do it? Jesus in Luke chapter 3, he addresses the age-old problem of the people who want to be on the team but don't want to do the work for the team. You remember those people who were part of your group project, right? They, they were there but never showed up to class. You did all the work and they got the A too, right? Or the team member at work who's eerily silent on their team's chat but somehow they're there for the credit. 
Here's a group of people who are coming to Jesus and saying, hey, we're the family of Abraham. We're part of the team. And we want the credit. But Jesus is looking at them, and this is what he says. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came to be baptized by him, you brood of wipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones a race of children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds, they asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics, two jackets, to share it with those who has none. And whoever has food, do likewise. The tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you're authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. Essentially, he's saying, no matter who you are, you have a part to play. What he's calling them to is first a relationship. He's saying, first, repent of what you've already done. First, fix that. First, be a part of the community. And then the way you live that out is to be Christ to those around you. Be compassionate. Be righteous. Show justice. Show mercy to those around you. Stop extorting. Stop blackmailing. Stop doing all of the things that you used to do, but instead be a Christ follower. Be a Christ Christian to the people around you. If you've been around Pastor Brian at all, he, one phrase that he always says, and I love this, is this, and it's not original to him, but this is what he says. It's not your job to fill the cup of others, but it is your job as a follower of Christ to empty yours. That's it. So here's our call. Do what you can with what you have where you are. Do what you can with what you have where you are. Simple enough. There's a story in, in Matthew chapter 25 where Jesus talks about people, these three servants who were given a certain number of talents. And by talent, the master gave them a certain number of money, amount of money. To one he gave five, to the other he gave two, and to another he gave one. And when he came back, he asked them, what have you done with it? To the one who had five, he made five more. To the one who had two, he made two more. And the one who had one, he hid it away and just returned that one. But here's the thing that I like about that story. He didn't ask the guy who had one to give five. He didn't ask the guy who had five to give two. What you have is what God is saying. What did you do with? What have you received you and I sitting in this room, what are you skilled with? What are you able to do? How can you make a difference in your community? What is it that God is calling you to do? See, here's the reality. It's great to dream of a life that we can have one day and how we can have an impact then. It's great to dream about, hey, when I win the lottery or when I get that raise, I'll be finally able to be generous. Or when I have a little bit more time and my kids are grown up and they leave home, then I'll have some more time. Or maybe when I hit retirement and now I don't have to work, I can go do, sir, I can serve and I can be 
But here's what God is more concerned about. And here's what God, the scripture is more concerned about. God is more concerned about the $5 that you have right now than the 100 that you intend to make later. He is more concerned with what you have in the moment and how you live that out than what you hope to do later. And it's great to hope, it's great to dream, it's great, all of that is true. But how are you living out what you have right now? How do we live that out here at Mount Hope? I'm looking out at this, this group that I'm talking to, and I see story after story after story in this place of people who are faithful to that call. People like Pam Clare, who attends our first service. She is a wellspring of encouragement. You probably received a card or two in the mail from her, reminding of how loved you are. People like Chuon, who lead our missions, uh, our uh, global outreach team, and he's leading a mission trip to Turkey this year, and he's taking people and wants to make sure that they're connected to the gospel. Be a part of that team and go talk to him. Or someone like Grace Rosado, who with her late husband started New Life Home and said, here are a group of women and children who need the gospel so badly. Tim Ofeidu, who attends our first service, he is a farmer. He's learning concept and he's educated in how to, how to raise and how to, how to cultivate and all of that with the intent of going back to his home country in Ghana and empowering the farmers there to put these practices into play and to find and build sustainable forms of farming. I'm reminded of people like uh, Solveig who, who dedicates her time to driving the elderly to their doctor's appointments or another couple who, who are retired and now their job is to take care of the other elderly in their midst. Like a Nate Machia who, who's dev devoted his time to helping us catch up with technology here at Mount Hope. There are families who have hosted refugees in our midst. There are lots of you who, sh who sit on boards and who sit and who direct charities and who help guide conversations around those, uh, those things. The doctors in our midst who have found creative ways to care for the sick in our midst. The nurse, this, just this last week, who said, you know what, the church needs a few things when it comes to our emergency response. And so she went out, she purchased those items and came to, to my office and said, here you go. That's finding the need and meeting it. Teachers who go beyond their teaching hours to empower students to excel. The scores of volunteers that, are, that show up here every morning, every, every Sunday morning, and make sure that every person is greeted well. That makes sure that every person sees a smile walking through these, place, uh, through these doors. That all the screens are done well. The music is done well. The preaching is done well. All of these different roles. All of this. The church being the church individuals who have said, God has called me to meet the need of someone around me, and this is how I can do it. Some of you are dog trainers, engineers, business owners, military personnel, civil war enthusiasts, physical trainers, pharmacists, nannies, therapists, veterans, and all of you have a way to serve the Lord. All of you have to ask, what do I have to give, and how can I give it? But here's the reality. We know that just because I have something to give doesn't mean I'm connected to those who, are, who need it. And that requires being intentional. That requires 
us not rushing out of here on a Sunday morning and spending time with each other. That requires us having conversations with each other and say, how can I be a blessing to you this week? How can I pray for you this week? How can I bring hope to you this week? It requires us being in each other's lives. It requires us being in groups with each other. It requires us to be in lives in each other's lives. And for us in an age where we're all so disconnected, it is so easy to say, you know what, the church will take care of that. The church knows the needs, so they'll do that. Or the food pantry will handle that. Or whoever will handle when it is us who are equipped to handle the work that God has given us. So as we close here, I'm going to invite the worship team back. And here are four questions that I want to ask you. As you're thinking about this, remember I said, do what you can with what you have where you are. That's it. But as you're thinking about that statement, here are four questions to help you think through this. First is this. Is the fruit of your life consistent with the faith you have in Jesus? Are you living it out? What are the needs right in front of you? And that this, these needs I'm talking about outside of the doors that God is calling you to meet. Not the church, but you. What are the needs in this church right now that are in front of you that God is calling you to meet? Maybe you don't feel like you can do it, but we have resources to get you there. Maybe you feel like you can't, you can't talk to kids. Well, none of us can, but we still do it. God empowers us. And the final question, who is the person you are to give something to, pray for, or invite to church? Jesus himself lays the example for all of us. He came not just for a visit, but instead with purpose, with the mission. Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, giving everything of himself, and he's inviting us to do the same. So as you go into the world, as you go into wherever God has placed you, whatever circles you may be in, ask those questions. God, what have you in mind for me today? How can I be a, be a part of what you're doing and be a part of that solution? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this invitation today. Lord, to be your hands and feet to the people around us. To serve. Lord, you call us to serve. You first served us. And so we get to go. We get to be a part of it. Wherever you lead us, whether it's right here in our backyards or around the world, wherever it may be, Lord, guide us by your Holy Spirit. Give us the wisdom to recognize the needs around us, to discern well, and Lord, to step out in faith, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it requires a sacrifice of ourselves, of our time, of our resources. Lord, help us to be faithful. And Holy Spirit, empower us to do your work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.